Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. You're in for a special treat today. We're going to be talking about everybody's favorite topic, asset protection. And I can hear the groans. No, no. But listen, this is really, really important. And it's easy for a lot of people to just think about like, all right, I'll figure that out later. Or I'll worry about that later. But that is not what you should be doing. You should be worrying about asset protection now. And we're going to be talking about that on this podcast. So first, let me say thank you guys for being on the show. I sure appreciate you all. If you like this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Or if you listen to us on Stitcher or TuneIn Radio or Google Play, wherever it is, if you like the show, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. And also, don't forget, we have at realestateinvestingmastery.com. That's realestateinvestingmastery.com. We have all the show notes. We have over 580 episodes there that you can listen to. By the way, did you know that if you go to iTunes or any of the podcast players and look for old episodes, you cannot find them there. For some reason, and I don't know why, the podcast players <clears throat> will only show the last 100 or 100 and something episodes. So if you, for some reason you want to go back to seven years ago and listen to our original podcasts, which are still really good, I'm thinking about compiling a list of our best podcasts of all time and put them on a uh, MP3 player for promotional purposes or something like that. But, you know, you can get them right now if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and then look up this episode because you're going to want to look at the show notes and the links and the tools that we're going to be giving away on this podcast so I have a special guest. His name is Scott Smith from Royal Legal Solutions. He's out of Austin, Texas. Scott, are you with me? I'm here. Scott is an attorney, eight years of investing experience. He actually bought his first property while he was going to law school. So sometimes, you know, I'm not going to put in the obligatory attorney joke in here, but because Scott's probably rolling his eyes <laughs> if I did that. But uh Scott is not one of those guys who will tell you, like other guests I've had on the show, and some of you may know him, Claude Diamond. He's an attorney, and he always jokes that he's a recovering attorney. But uh, Scott takes his business very, very seriously from a legal standpoint and as an investor. He's helped hundreds of clients all over the country. He's got over 1,000 clients right now, actually, with his business. So he's been in the in the business investing himself personally for over eight years. So he's I guess you got started when the market was kind of falling, Scott. Is that right? Yeah, it's the best time to get in. It is. <laughs> I'm to find out. And it's and really the, the neatest part about it was that a lot of people will groan when it comes to what they need to do for legal strategies when it comes to real estate investing. Uh -huh. What I find is that it's because everybody doesn't like it is because what makes it so powerful to give you an edge to get higher returns because yeah. it's how are you going to use the law to your advantage, to your maximum advantage. And right now we, we specialize in the asset protection piece of it because that's how we currently use the law to our maximum advantage there. But you'll find it where the people have the most pain 
of the least wanting to go do something is where the most profits are. Like I think we were talking earlier about how you were doing some wholesaling yeah. and that would be a, there's such great margins in that because it turns out that it's really painful for people to go and sit down and talk to somebody for a couple hours to buy their house. Mm-hmm. So there's good money in that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First guys, before we dive in, I'm going to ask Scott a bunch of questions because I'm very interested in learning more about asset protection. And when I said at the beginning, most people just kind of say, oh, I'll worry about that later. That's me. I'm talking like from from uh, not just what I see other people doing, but also myself personally. So this is very important that we talk about. But I want you guys to know that uh, Scott gave us a really valuable report that I'm going to give away to you all for free. If you go to this website, reimpodcast.com slash protect, and uh, this is going to be a PDF report of multiple reports to coming together, but it's going to be the top 10 ways to protect your assets. And he's going to be talking about equity stripping, building a land trust with – they're called an anonymous land trusts or anonymity trusts. And so this PDF report, you're going to want to get your hands on to learn more about this stuff. Scott has graciously allowed me to give it to you to you guys all for free. But you need to go to this website, and we'll talk about this again at the end. But go to REIM, that's for Real Estate Investing Mastery, REIMpodcast.com slash protect to get your hands on that report. So Scott, give us a little background of of you you went to law school. Why were you interested in real estate investing? I don't know exactly the, the big why behind a lot of that. But I mean, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was, I don't know, really young. And so the ideas of being able to cultivate wealth have always fascinated me in business. One of the reasons why I ended up going to law school was one, it, you know, it, it was something I always wanted to do for one reason or another. I was that that kind of kid. And uh, the piece about real estate ended up coming in because it was always seemed like always like a pretty consistent way to to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was tough to go wrong if you just looked at the numbers right and and could you know turn it around to a business. When and now I've learned that you know <clears throat> running a law firm is is much more you know complex than than having a real estate. For example, I wish I would have done more real estate. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I to do it all over again, you know, we have a, a huge law firm now, but real estate is one of the few assets that you can get into that have done correctly. You can almost have like a set it and forget it type way of of living, right? And and the whole thing is backed by the fact that people always have to have somewhere to live, right? Yeah. So if you're investing in the right asset classes, you almost have a and you're buying, you know, at the right, not even the perfect time, but just an okay time. You kind of have a a way of knowing that you're always going to be okay, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's few few asset classes that are like that. There's very few assets that you can actually add value to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, except maybe Absolutely. business. If you own a business, you can add value to it. But like real estate, uh, that's why I love it. It's it's a it's an asset that you can actually contribute something to. You can add value to it. You can make it more valuable. So what yeah. got you interested? Like you, you were you're going to law school. Did um, you started buying property while you were in school? Did, weren't you busy with studying and reading a bunch of books, boring books? Not not a whole lot of sleep for those few years. <laughs> right. Okay. What, what ended up happening is we bought a transmission and auto repair shop, the building and the business, and my partner knew how to do manage all of the shop part of it with uh-huh. the repair. And then I knew how to do promotion and the actual nuts and bolts of the business side of it, the managing the books and, and whatnot. 
Um, okay. So then I ended up doing a lot of the getting us a bunch of free publicity, even on the front page of the, you know, it was Albany, New York. So the Albany newspaper, the Times Union, we ended up getting on the front page there for free and, and uh, featured in a bunch of magazines and whatnot for our um, our efforts in that. So that was my first foray into it because I didn't want to take out loans for law school. And so that was the impetus to say, well, let's buy this business. Let's get the piece of real estate. Let's see if we can promote this thing for free. So it was really a kind of like the wild, wild west of, of what you're doing while you're in law school. Okay. And what market were you in again doing this? We were in Albany, New York. Okay. So it was upstate New York. Yeah. And it wasn't like a hot market or anything. I mean, no. talk about value add. We were replacing walls in the building because the thing was falling down, you know? Well, but you're in Austin, Texas now. What, what brought you to Texas from New York? Well, I'm originally from Houston, and okay. believe it or not, you know, Austin has a little bit more of a temperate climate than all in New York. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got down 20 today, and everybody's freaking out. But it, like, the, but overall, it's just like uh, living in upstate New York, man, can be really rough if you're a Texas boy. And, and Austin's a really cool place to live. Ah, it's super cool. I mean, we have such, so many smart people here, such great music, yeah. um, and just kind people. So it's it's really nice. And right. I love here and, and being able to help everybody, you know, across the country. It's it's really a neat way of having a business to okay. be in one place and go everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Do you still uh, actively invest in real estate yourself? Yeah, I'm in deals all the time, even nice. deals with my clients. So my clients will come and if they have a good enough deal or deal that I'm interested in, I'll put money in wherever. Nice. So anybody listening to this podcast, if you're looking for an attorney and a private investor, give Scott a shout. We'll, we'll give out your website here in a minute. But that's interesting. Got a good deal. I like it. Yeah. So let's talk about why asset protection is so important, Scott. What, what does it matter whether you are you know, anonymous or whether you have it in the right corporate structure or entity? Because the, the issue with this is that we're all building real estate investments, not because we're generally trying to get rich quick, but we're thinking, most of us are thinking as long-term investors and wealth building, right? Yeah. The issue that people don't understand is that if during the course of your real estate investor life, you're almost guaranteed to be sued you know, just by the mere statistics of it. Hmm. So. The question becomes is not if you're going to be sued, but when and what position you're going to be in when that happens. So the worst position you can possibly be in is to have assets in your own name that people can find out easily what they are. And that's exactly what real estate is. It's a huge asset. It's got a lot of money tied up into it. And people can search government records and find out that you own it if it's in your personal name. It's the worst case scenario you could be in for litigation. That's one of the ways you lose the money, right? Somebody tries to take it from you. Far from making a bad deal, I guess. Well, I had a question about that, Scott, because you know, if, you, if somebody's going to sue you because if, if either negligence or deliberate, can't they find out what you own anyway through discovery? So, discovery in the beginning of a lawsuit tells you about the claim itself. It's not until the very end of the lawsuit, what they call it's post-trial discovery that they're able to find out what the extent of the assets are they can collect against, where you actually have to answer those questions. So right? it's not till the end that you have to disclose that? Yeah, it's not till the very end. So the reason that you hold things anonymously is because the game you're playing is that when you look to sue me, you're going to say he doesn't own anything. So it's not worth pursuing mm. because we're not going to spend 30 grand to be able to go after somebody that we can't find out what we're going to collect on. 
So you're making them take all of these risks and instill all of this doubt into pursuing you in the lawsuit. And that's how you get them to settle or drop the suit. Couldn't you – so how does it work? Like, let's say somebody wants to sue you. What does the uh, litigating attorney look for? Do they just go to county records and see you know, what you own? Or how, you know, how does that work? Yeah, no, that's that's the number one thing. Like, it's really the second thing that happens. First thing is you have a meeting with the attorney. You tell them this is what happens. If they think there's any viable claim there at all. I mean, you know how sharky plaintiffs attorneys are, right? Yeah. So then the second thing they do is they start combing through any gov- governmental records, county records and records with the secretary of state to find where your name is attached to anything that has public information associated with it. So they pull it through and a lot of times you'll find this with uh, like private investigators can be hired if it's a big enough claim to be able to start combing through the records. So what we do is we hide all of the ownership through the use of – we call them anonymity trusts. Okay. And there are different types of land trusts or other types of agent trusts that we use to be able to mask the company ownership and the property ownership. The, and the reason that they're – we call them anonymity trusts is because these are the types, types of trusts that we're creating. We're not filing them anywhere. So they're all private documents. So nobody can find out anything besides the name of the trust. They don't get to be able to know who's behind it. Do you have to have an address of the trust? No. Oh, you don't? No. The only thing that's going to appear on the governmental governmental record is just the name of the trust. The 123 Main Street Trust, for example, would be a name of an anonymous land trust. But you have to have the the mailing address where the tax bill is sent, right? Right. And that would always come. Everything that has to do with any types of mailings or signatures for any type of public documents always comes through me and my law firm. So it could be – so there's no way for anybody to track down any nice. particular individual because it's all masked through my firm. And I am prevented by law from disclosing any of the information due to the attorney-client privilege. Nice. So nobody can even request it. Now, there's been times when I've bought property in the past and the bank or the title company – required me, I mean, I had to be on, I forget exactly the details, so I'm going to screw this up, but um, I remember something like I had to be, obviously I'm getting the mortgage, so that needs to be in my name, right? But like, I had to be on the paperwork somewhere. And then they said, it's not a big deal. As soon as you close, we'll immediately transfer ownership to your trust or to your LLC or whatever. The problem with that though, is when I was looking at it later, you could see that transfer in the county records online that it went from me, my personal name to my LLC, which was in another name, right? Are there ways like you could still buy a property in the trust without showing any kind of that immediate change of title? Does that make sense? You could do that. The question that always comes into mind is whether the financing will actually come through with that. What we typically will do is one of you know, two scenarios. But mo- the most common scenario that we find is that we advise our clients to go ahead and close on the property in your own name. And then what we're going to do after the fact is transfer it to the anonymous trust after you close. So, and we're going to make that trust titled and look like for all intents and purposes to be what's used for a land trust for investor purposes. So it'll look like you bought the property and then immediately moved it into um, a trust to be chopped up among investors. Okay. And that we find is a is 95% of the game, right? Is that what you want is if somebody's actually doing the search itself of who the owner of this property is, that it's not your name. Okay. I mean, because what the what people are really looking at is is we're instilling doubt 
and anybody doing research of whether you would still own it or not. They would look at it and say, maybe he still owns it. It really looks like he sent this off to a trust to be able to split up between investors. Are we willing to go through and go through the whole trial process and the 30 plus thousand dollars to be able to find that out and post trial discovery or not? Okay. So um, besides just buying a property and putting it into a trust name, what else is involved with asset protection? Is there more than just that? Well, the trust itself gets you the anonymity, okay. but itself doesn't provide you protection in the sense that if somebody still sued you on something that was unrelated, like you had a car accident that exceeded the limits of liability on your insurance mm-hmm. and they decided to sue you, they would still be able to come after and collect out of the trust if it was just in the trust, unless what you do is you establish an LLC or a series LLC that in turn owns the trust. If you do that, then you have all of the liability shields associated with an LLC combined with all of the anonymity of a trust. Well, when can that be? Let's say you are like a stupid idiot and you you do something wrong and, and you are negligent. Can even though you had the right asset protection, could you still could they still go after you personally? So those vary from state to state. A lot of times what we're going to do is we're only typically establishing LLCs through Delaware, Texas, Wyoming, and Nevada. And a lot of times through Texas because it has the best laws at the cheapest prices for being able to establish the LLC. And what you're looking at is what are the laws that allow somebody to attack um, an, an LLC ownership for the asset protection. For example, California, it's basically nothing. In Texas, what you, people have to prove is that you set out with an intention to commit fraud with the LLC when you formed it. Okay. Right. So th- those are the really high bars that you have to cross. So you're you're not you're not really necessarily setting up an LLC in Texas for for tax purposes, but more for liability protection. Is that right? That's right. That's where it really matters where you form the LLC through. Mm, yeah. And then te- Texas is also cheap with no franchise taxes and no corporate taxes and no personal taxes, right? Um, so but if you if I set it up in Texas but I lived in Missouri, I'd still you know, I'd still have to pay Missouri taxes though, right? Even though the LLC right. is set up in Because Missouri is going to pay, make you pay taxes on any money that the LLC distributes to you because you live in Missouri. But right now, some people are holding taxes inside of their corporation if they don't need it during their life and it's never going to get distributed to them. They'll hold it inside of their corporation for and never have it distributed to them as an individual uh, with the new tax laws that came through. But that's really rare that people are doing that, but just as a hypothetical. Okay. So what are some other ways to protect your assets? You mentioned something earlier about equity stripping. What is that? So equity stripping is a what you do is you set up your own private mortgage company. So if you had all if you had your assets in one LLC, let's say you had one asset inside an LLC, a house that was worth 400,000 and you still owed 200 on it, what you could do is set up your own separate LLC that would act as your private mortgage company, which would issue a bona fide mortgage, a, a real mortgage onto the other property, say for 200 or even $300,000, right? To really go above and beyond. So that way if there was a lawsuit involving that property itself, say grandma fell through the stairs on the property, um, the insurance company denied coverage because they said it was gross negligence that you had a staircase that was like that. And then the lawsuit commenced. When they would look to sue you, what would happen is, is they would, let's say they win the lawsuit and now they're going to go foreclose on the asset What happens when they foreclose on the asset is all of the liens on the asset 
like mortgages get paid out first before a plaintiff would get paid out. So in this case, they could foreclose on the asset and your own private mortgage company would get paid out all of the equity in the property before the plaintiff would be able to foreclose. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. All right, what are some other ways to protect your assets? I would say that the best way that you would look to protect it is going to be using um, a series LLC structure because what that allows you to do is to compartmentalize every single asset that you own into its own child series of the series LLC. If you think about it as a parent-child relationship, you have one parent LLC that gets filed with the state that can have as many children as it wants. Each child is free to create just like real children are but they have no filing fees associated with them. So when you use the series LLC structure, every single asset you own and all of your stocks, extra cash, everything you have is, is fully compartmentalized. So a lawsuit involving one asset won't affect any of the other assets. Okay, cool. And then the really cool piece of, of what you really want <clears throat> is to, to really be what's called judgment-proof, where you won't own assets anymore. Because that's every single rich person that you've ever talked to or met or heard about in your life, I can guarantee you doesn't own anything. Because they had attorneys like me that came along and said, well, what we're really going to, what we're going to do is we're going to strip away from your name everything that you own and we're going to put it inside of these protected structures. And that way, if anybody tries to sue you for any reason, you're called what's called judgment proof, meaning that people could sue you all day long. They got nothing that you can take because you got everything that's already protected. Wow. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine like being able to do that. And, and the, like rich people don't actually own anything. They only control things, right? They control businesses. They don't actually own the yacht. The yacht is actually owned through an LLC that has different insurance and whatever, whatever, right? Right. But if you were, let's say you were sued for something and, and you were found at fault. And for whatever reason, a judgment is now entered against you through the courts you still have to pay that, don't you? No. Why? Well, let's just say. Um, well, I mean, well, I'm what's trying the to think. penalty for not paying? Right. This is what it, this is the attorney question. The attorney question we have is says I, I don't have to do anything. I only have to do things that they're going to penalize me for. The two things they can do to me are well, they could try to put me in jail. We don't have debtor, debtors' prisons anymore for people that can't pay judgments, right? Or they can try to. It's a civil lawsuit, so they can try to take my assets. Well, could they, would it attach to your credit report? You know, like if they were, if you were to get a mortgage or something. They could, they could hypothetically attach it to your credit report and they would ding your credit for a couple of years. So like, let's say you, you rehab a house and you sell it and the new buyer eight months later, they find out that there's some foundation issues and they sue you and, um, you know, you, you lose the lawsuit and, um, uh, the judge says, you know, you have to pay them 30 grand to, to fix their problem, plus all the attorney's fees or whatever. Let's just say that happens. Even though you are protected because you, you had the entity structure set up and all that, and there was a judgment entered against you, you are you saying you don't have to pay that? Just... Well, what, what I'm saying is that like the worst case scenario, if you don't own any assets yes. at all, then they can't foreclose on anything. The worst case scenario they do is file it against your credit report and that hurts your credit score. So now you have a different question you ask, which okay. is, is there a way that I could have done that transaction 
proact like preemptively thinking about it. Yeah. So that way, even in the worst case scenario, they could sue and they couldn't even get to my credit score. Right. Well, how, and the do, you, reason, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> yeah. So, so with the series LLC, that's what we'll use for hold each of our assets. Okay. And then what we'll also do is we'll set up a separate LLC that we'll use as an operating company. And all of our transactions, contracts, hiring contractors, anything that we're going to be doing in the outside world will be through this separate LLC. Even going into um, housing contracts, a lot of times I'll do it through this separate LLC that absolutely owns nothing, never, ever owns anything. The moment that it ever even acquires something, I'm immediately shooting it off and changing title to whatever that asset is into the series LLC. Because as lawsuits work, you can only sue the entity, which could be a person or a company, that you you have a transaction with or made communications with. So in this instance, with an operating company, the Shell LLC, all of the transactions and communications are coming through that LLC. And that way, if they ever tried to sue you, they can't get to the assets because they never interacted with the assets. And the only thing they interacted with was with this other company. So they could get a judgment against this company. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to shut that company down and just start up a new company. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, the what we would say is this is the type of legal protection that we say is the cost of protecting your credit. Because right? you could fly naked without it, but then our credit might be exposed. But once I have this, I, always, I also know that my credit score is going to be protected as well. Nice. So this is uh, this is more than what uh, like something like prepaid legal will do for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this whatever, is a lot higher level. <laughs> whatever they call it now these days. Is it something else? Well, you have a lot of, there's just, there's not really, what you find is there's probably only maybe a couple of me in the country that talk about for real estate investors and how to do this type of structure and do it effectively. Okay. You know, how everything needs to flow. The issue is, is that there's a lot of knowledge and learning how to set it up. But once you get it set up, there's actually no extra management. There's a few tweaks that people will do to make it work for them, but then it's seamless into the way they normally just live. It's all behind the scenes after it's set up. Okay, so good. I got some more questions for you. Uh, we yeah. got about 10 more minutes. Um, I want to make sure I'm uh, honoring your time. What are some common mistakes or some horror stories? I kind of like hearing horror stories because it's like reminds people of that this is what can happen if you don't do it right. Do you have any good, you know, common mistakes or horror stories that, that you've dealt with in the past or seen? Yeah, well, we have, you know, and I'll give you a couple ones that actually turned out better because they had it too. But the, the common, the horror stories that I've actually seen are ones where, you know, I've known guys that have lost, you know, three plus million dollars in an unrelated lawsuit to their real estate. And because they had everything in their personal name and what they were thinking was that they had a really good insurance policy. So they were fine with their, with their, you know, personal property itself. But it actually happened to him that he got into that fabled car accident, you know, that ended up having, you know, multiple people with permanent disabilities. And it was over his insurance coverage. And, and it really just kind of stemmed out from there. Really? Uh, for, for ways of, yeah, because it was like a massive wreck, right, on the highway. And he was the one that ended up taking the fault for it because of the laws of the state. So that, it just totally wiped him out, right? I mean, it, just even a simple LLC, he would have been protected from that, right? So like those are like the lowest tier types of protections we would be looking at. Um, I've had another actual client of mine on a positive note actually had a series LLC and she what she was doing was doing flips out of it 
just as like I had described for a lot of my other clients, I says, you always want to do all your flips out of the series LLCs because exactly what happened to this client. She had a disagreement that was involving some plumbing that was underneath the house that she had replaced. There were some emails back and forth regarding the plumbing and there's some ambiguity on what plumbing underneath the house or all of the plumbing had been replaced. It wasn't quite clear from the emails that were being exchanged. Okay. But in any event, there was a leak in the plumbing had, I don't know, it was up to about $80,000 in damages because they were on vacation when it started leaking. They went to go ahead and look to sue my client. But the beautiful part is about the series LLC is that she had the property in the series. I think it was series C, for example. And what ended up happening is she had the sale of the house then she took all of the money out of Series C. So now Series C is this vacant, vacant shell. And when the buyer was looking to sue, the only entity they could get at for the lawsuit was Series C itself. And, but Series C had nothing. So the whole lawsuit just went away. Wow. Even though they probably had a, a claim that would have survived all the way to a jury. So this would have been a, you know, at least a $20,000 settlement, I would have guessed. So the the biggest thing, the, I think the biggest takeaway from this is like understanding what is visible for people to see, like hiding your assets and owning nothing but controlling everything is really the goal of this, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. At the bottom line, that's what you want. As nobody knows what I own, and even if my worst case scenario happens and the insurance denies coverage and the skies fall and everything, my losses are very well contained. Hmm. Very good. Okay, so um, I got one more question for you. Do you have any magic tricks up your sleeve <laughs> so, <laughs> to where we can don't have to pay anything in taxes? Like, speaking of taxes now, instead of let, let's maybe jump into that, like... Are there any ways to completely hide your income as well from the IRS? Legal uh, legal ways. I'm asking for legal yeah. ways, right? So the ways people will try to do that is actually using offshore trusts, like established <laughs> up to the Cook Islands or something. Is that okay? Can you do that? Is that legal? Yeah, you can definitely do that and you'll end up paying different taxes because they'll they'll look at it for like domestic taxes that are generated. But there's no way unless there's some guys that said you can avoid paying uh, income tax, but they also think that it's because something with the constitution that it wasn't legally passed, but I think they threw a couple of those people in jail. that tried to do that <laughs> last time I checked. But well, okay. But did, you, did you know about the new 20% deduction that you end up getting for real estate investors from the last tax bill? Have you guys talked about that? Well, from the past, yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Explain how that works. Yeah, well, it's just now as as for the the income that we're getting for real estate investors, if you have it through your company, 20% of the income that you'll get is actually going to be non-taxed if it's underneath, I think, like a hundred and something thousand dollars of income from it. So it's it's really a nice tax incentive to not or, or to to actually put together your to claim it as an income from a business. Nice. Yeah. Can maybe you can talk a little bit too then, Scott, about um, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dealer income. You know, if you're if you have, if, we have a lot of wholesalers listening to this, right? And they are not buying and holding a lot of properties, maybe a couple a year, right? But like, how can you do asset protection, or how can you protect yourself if you're doing a lot of just quick flipping? 
Yeah. So one way that I have, I have a guy here that does a lot of it. He'll use a series LLC for each one of his contracts that he picks up to buy it from somebody for each individual deal, because you can create the individual series on a one, it's a one page document that you just can create internally. So you create, you, you create a new one for every deal, every deal that he does. And that way, if anything goes wrong in that deal at all, that he knows that it, there people can't sue him and they can't get to any of his other deals or anything, right? Because it's all contained in that one series. So that's the way that he's spinning them up. Because it takes, what, five minutes to create a new series? And so he'll just create one for every single deal he does. Interesting. And so yeah. you, you can help people do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really straightforward. Good. All right. So I know we're running out of time. Scott, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, sure. You can go to my website, royallegalsolutions.com. Uh, you can email me at scott at royallegalsolutions.com, or you can always reach me by phone at 512-757-3994, and my staff will schedule you for an appointment for us to talk. Nice. That's not your cell phone, right? No, no. Okay, I okay. made that mistake in my early days and then had like <laughs> 30,000 calls a day come in. You know? I did a, another podcast for Bigger Pockets 109 in yeah. about three years ago, and that was a monster of a podcast. And um, that ended up being, I think it was like over 100 phone calls a day. It was impossible to keep up with. No, wait, was that to your office, not to your cell phone, right? With Bigger no, Pockets? No, I put it to my cell phone because oh, I was. Oh, you, your Bigger Pockets podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was to my cell phone because I figured out ah, maybe a couple of people <laughs> like this stuff, but it turns out everybody in the world. Oh my god! And then we started doing. Now we have you know so much more, so we got better better staff. So, <laughs> well, we're not as big as the bigger podcast, a bigger pockets podcast. We're better than the bigger pockets podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. We're not yeah. as big as they are. <laughs> yeah. no, those are good guys. Uh, over yeah. there. But anyway, um, okay, again, we've got this special report, the top 10 ways to protect your assets that Scott's given to us. And if you want that report, you need to get it right now. Go to reimpodcast.com slash protect, reimpodcast.com slash protect. Uh, you can contact Scott at royallegalsolutions.com and uh, just reach out to his office and they'll schedule a time for you to talk to Scott. Scott, any final words of advice you want to give to people? Yeah, the well, the the best thing that I've ever learned is that you can make and you'll do a lot better in business and in life by taking proactive steps. And it seems to be that it's the law, law the laws are, the laws are in our country and and life and business just seem to reward people that are taking action. Yeah, that's good. And a good place to start. Read this report, right? Schedule a time to talk with you at your office. And um good. Thanks, yeah, whatever Scott. you need. We put together customized plans for everybody because everybody's a little different, you know? So whatever they need, feel free to reach out. And it was great talking with you today. And do you help people set up offshore accounts? Uh, <laughs> I have people that do that, but I don't touch those. <laughs> okay. But if you really need to hide something from everybody in the world, there's ways. Oh, uh, I'd love to learn them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully uh, you'll never need it, but just in case. Well, yeah. I, I, man, I just hate paying taxes. But yeah, um, okay, Scott, thank you, and uh, sure appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great one. See you guys. And again, go to reimpodcast.com slash protect. Um, also, you can get all the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com. And hope you guys have a good day. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye. 